This is Rock and Roll English. Real people, real English. Here's your host, Martin Johnston. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll English. Episode number 325, baby. Oh yeah. In today's episode, we speak to Alistair from English Learning for Curious Minds. Alistair has been on the podcast before. He rocked it once and he rocks it again today as we talk about some vocab and share some stories. Very similar to the podcast I did with Keith a few weeks back, months back. I can't really remember. I got some good feedback for that podcast, so I thought, why not do that again? So here is the episode longer than usual, 29 minutes of conversation. Yes, the transcript was tough. But this is my present to you. Remember, if you have any difficulty with the podcast in understanding, check out my course, Jungle Listening, which will transform the jungle fast spoken English into something simple and learnable. Just click the link in the podcast you are listening to right now and check it out. Anyway, here is the conversation. I will talk to you all again at the end. Happy listening. So, Alistair, hello and welcome back to Rock and Roll English. Hello, Martin. It is wonderful to be here. Wonderful to have you. This is the second time you've been on the podcast, isn't it? Yes, I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how could you forget such a great experience of the first time, hey? <laughs> it was it was wonderful. And I've been I've been waking up every morning thinking, I hope he invites me back one day. So I'm very happy to be here. I can only imagine. So I'm sure of all the 300 and 20 something episodes I've done I'm sure your one is everyone's number one episode but for maybe new listeners that haven't listened um, just tell us something about you what you do it's English for curious minds I believe isn't it uh, yeah I've got a podcast called English learning for curious minds okay um, that I started at the end of 2019 so it's yeah it's four and a bit years and the, the idea is it's a podcast that allows intermediate to advanced English learners to uh, learn English while learning something interesting about the world. Absolutely fantastic. And you also have quite an interesting story because obviously you're from the UK. Where in particular are you from? It's a it's a good question that there should be a simple answer to, <laughs> okay. but kind of, kind of all over the place. I uh, grew up for a bit in the south of England then um, lived by Edinburgh, uh, but I've actually spent most of my life in London. Uh, okay, strangely right, enough, okay. it's where I went to university and then stayed for quite a long time. I've never lived anywhere more than I've lived in London. But okay, I'm not a Londoner. The, okay, the the classic. And I think certainly when I talk to foreigners, um, the only foreigners I ever talk to really are Italians. When I When you talk about the UK, England, for them, it's just London. They don't... <laughs> Even my, my wife's family, they still say when we go there, they say, yeah, they, they live in London. And we say, no, we don't live in mm. London. We we live not far from London, but we don't live in London. But for them, it's just like you live in the UK. You could live in Manchester and then people would say, yeah, they live in London. <laughs> um, exactly. Um, but you actually live in Malta at the moment, yeah? I do, yes. Not far yeah. from where you lived before in Sicily. Yeah, in fact, I, I often wanted to go to Malta, but I never actually got round to doing it. I'm quite fascinated by Malta, actually, because... So what is the official language? It's 
English and Maltese, is that correct? Correct. Yeah, there are two official languages, uh, English and Maltese. Right. Yeah, because I remember, yeah, lots of Italians. And I'm going to Malta to, to learn English. And I was thinking, to learn English, to go into Malta. And, but really what that involved, generally these were obviously like teenagers. They were going on like a study holiday thing and basically just involved them spending a couple of weeks away from their parents, getting as drunk as possible and doing anything but learning English. <laughs> yeah, I think there are, there are certainly people who fit into that category. And I, mm. I can certainly understand because if I was a 16 year old and oh, I yeah. was trying to persuade my parents to send me somewhere fun for the summer, uh, I would definitely tell them that I wanted to go and learn English in Malta because that would be a very fun thing to do as a 16 year old. It'd be much more fun mm. than going to Dundee or, uh, <laughs> or, or somewhere like that and probably also cheaper. So uh, I'm not surprised that it is such a popular destination for people like that. Yeah, yeah. When you think of it, when people go to like, yeah, places. I've heard some lots of random places in England people go to, and you think, well, if you go to Malta, um, but also, you, is it right you're moving to Sweden? Is that right? Yes, uh, correct. I'm moving to Sweden in a couple of months. Cool. That that's going to be quite a change. Are you, are you ready for this change? No, no, I'm not ready. <laughs> okay. for, um, <laughs> no. I'm not really sure what to expect. I've also never actually been to Sweden before. Okay. So wow. That would be a bit of a, a bit of a change. But I'd never actually been to Malta before I came here either. So okay. if that worked out, okay, that was seven years ago. So yeah. we will see. Uh, we'll see if I can. We'll see if it works quite the same going to Sweden. Right. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better. Yeah. I wasn't ready to move back to the UK. And even now I still think what? what was I doing and I'm still not ready to live here um, <laughs> but you, you just go with the flow um, indeed and and you'll be fine which so that term I just used go with the flow quite an idiomatic expression and that's what we're doing today so I have got some idiomatic expressions and the way this is going to work is so I will tell you the idiomatic expression and I will ask you for a definition now this can be a really rough terrible definition because we are not dictionaries we don't have just this perfect dictionary knowledge so it will just to give people some understanding and then i have a chat gpt definition which we'll look at for a bit of a tighter one and then both share some kind of story anecdote related to this idiomatic expression okay yeah sounds good okay perfect so let's start with the first one up to scratch what what's your definition of that alistair i would say that up to scratch means meeting the expected standard level of something <laughs> for a minute i thought you were literally reading that from chat gpt you i you have your uh, mind I, I, must I, I, think I, I, I the same way <laughs> You, you, you are chat GPT. So chat GPT is an actual person and it's Alistair because mm. you got two key words there. So the chat GPT definition is meeting the required standard or expectation. That's the definition. Pretty much what you said. If something or someone is up to scratch, it means they meet the necessary criteria or are of satisfactory quality. So I would say your definition was pretty good there. So tell us something connected to your life where you this term comes to mind um well i i was actually 
uh, I was actually thinking a bit more about um, what you mentioned earlier, moving to Sweden and trying to make sure that I'm prepared mentally and physically and linguistically as well. Because I was lucky to move to Malta and not really have to learn any new language because English is an official language. However, Sweden, even though Swedish people speak very good English, is not quite the same. Um, and I've really been trying to do as much as possible to get my Swedish up to scratch um, before arriving there. So that includes listening to lots of podcasts, trying to read some books, even getting stuck into some Swedish grammar, which is quite fun. Anyway, I'm trying to do as much <laughs> as possible to get uh, my Swedish up to scratch. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I think it is actually used a lot in with languages, this expression. Um, but on that subject, a close friend of mine and regular guest on the podcast, Boom Boom Cannon, we call him, lives in Sweden. And okay. he, it took him a long time to get his Swedish up to scratch. He said, I suffered this in Italy as well, I must admit. The problem is it, it was worse there in some ways because... Everyone speaks English so well. So he said he was going into shops and trying to talk to people in his broken Swedish mm. and they would immediately switch. So, yeah, he was talking to them in broken Swedish and they would immediately switch to English and just made him. He said it was very difficult to get through it. And like I said, I suffered that. And I actually think that is actually a really rude thing to do. If anyone talks to me in English, let's say in Italian, maybe yeah. they've got a very low English level. I don't switch to English because I just think that's it's just a direct message to that person of your like language skills are terrible. Yeah. So, so it's just such a harsh, horrible thing to do. What do you think? I, I agree. And I'm exactly the same as you. Um, that Sometimes if I'm in Italy speaking Italian and occasionally people will say something in, in English and I will just continue in Italian because I, yeah, I, I don't, like people doing that i think it's not a fair thing to do especially if someone's clearly trying to trying to improve i think it's yeah. it's a bit different if someone is clearly struggling at a very low level but yeah yeah I, I, yeah which i will probably be <laughs> be in sweden um but i think it's very different if someone is um is at a, a higher level and wanting to speak that language yeah yeah if it's a situation where it's like a, if someone there's like a message that needs to be communicated and they're trying to talk to me maybe in broken English I will say do you want to speak Italian because I, I can speak Italian like I, I can help you basically mm. but if it's just someone like maybe a friend of like I don't know my wife who just wants to try and practice English I would never then just shut them down and be like no I'm not going to even try to speak to you in English because your English is terrible I just think it's such a horrible thing to do i do um i do too but yeah um so for me this one's actually quite close to home so when i make podcasts and sometimes i'm listening to it maybe editing the podcast i always worry if the podcast is up to scratch and i think i i don't think i have actually ever done it but i often think i'm just very critical of myself i think we all are and i think oh like this this podcast is terrible. Shall I just like bin it and try to make a new one? Um, because yeah, I'm thinking this isn't up to scratch. The uh, last week's episode was so much better, for example, uh, and it's just a, a constant fight I have with myself. Have mm. you ever experienced this with 
in the you're in the podcast game as well every day okay <laughs> uh so it, it's good to know i'm not the only one um okay so the next on the list is throw caution to the wind okay what does that mean uh, I'm probably going to uh, come up with a bad definition here, but uh, it probably means something like to do something a little bit risky without fully okay. considering the consequences. Yeah, I would say you, you've definitely got the keyword of the definition in there. N- not bad. Um, so Mr. Chat says to act without considering the potential risks or consequences to take a bold and unrestrained approach often involving risk or uncertainty so yeah i think the the first part of that is the clearest to act without considering the potential risks or consequences so give us an example of a time that you have thrown caution to the wind i think people will probably see a a theme with everything i'm putting in here but um i was going to say that uh yeah moving to sweden in in a few months and i have never been there but uh, I did exactly the same thing when moving to Malta. So uh, I thought I kind of threw caution to the wind when it came to just packing up and moving to a completely different country that I'd never been to. And I'm going to repeat that uh, and hope that it doesn't end in tragedy. <laughs> and I'm right in thinking you have one child or two children? Two. One okay, when, two. when we first spoke and another one arrived after that. Okay, so yeah, very similar situation to me then. Um, so yeah, we moved back to the UK um, with one child and yeah, it, it definitely was a lot more difficult than when I moved to Italy by myself with a backpack, mm. um, moving back, yeah. <laughs> moving from Italy here of literally, we had to, we actually hired a van to like drive here and my God, yeah, that's, to be honest, even though I sometimes think maybe I should move back to Italy, the thing I think that's stopping me is just the hassle of doing it again. I'll just, I'll prefer to be miserable for the rest of my life and die in England than, uh, than go through that again. Yeah. uh, Packing your life up into boxes and, um, dealing with relocation companies is, uh, (laughs) it's not fun. Yeah, no, I, I've been there. And my example is pretty much exactly the same things that we mentioned. Moving back to the UK. Now, I didn't, I knew like financially it was going to be difficult, but we just threw caution to the wind and didn't really consider the consequences and said like, sod it, let's just do this. Um, and yeah, there there have been certainly times where thinking, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to throw caution to the wind like we did. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're sort of coming out of it now, sort of two years later. And the another example I have of this, again, related to what we spoke about, is having a second child. Because we did sort of think, you know, it's quite tough with one. Are we going to be okay? And it was just like, well, let's throw caution to the wind and let's go for it. Not con- Not really think about it, just do it. And again, certainly times there thinking, was that a good idea? Um, so your your children must have a similar age gap. What's the age gap between yours? Uh, one is about to be one and the other is four. Okay, so a little bit better. Um, so yeah, ours are about to be three and one, exactly two years between them. Okay. Which the, the main difficulty of this is the older one 
you, if you leave them alone for a little bit, will be playing with her younger brother. But generally playing might be sort of like putting a pillow over his face so he can't breathe. Okay, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you experienced any of this? Um, not yet. Um, no, the, the older one is quite sweet with the younger one. But, okay. I, but there probably will be a day when I come back and there is a pillow and... <laughs> Uh, you know, jumping up and down in there or something like that. The, uh, the young one is just at the stage where, you know, everything his big brother does is just the best thing in the world. So even if he's jumping up and down on the bed, he's kind of laughing. And right. So he probably embraced being suffocated by a pillar. <laughs> yeah, because you think, oh, I'll just go to the toilet. They'll be okay just for like one minute. And then you come back and then the older one's like lying on top of the younger one. And you're mm. thinking... Yeah, Oops. maybe maybe it's not a good idea. I'll just bring them both to the toilet with me next yeah. time. Um, the next one, to fall by the wayside. What does that mean? Um, so I would guess the definition of that would be something like to, um, to stop doing something that you used to do or to stop focusing on something so that it becomes worse. Yeah, I would say your definition is actually better than ChatGPT's this time. I must admit the standard of ChatGPT's definitions has definitely gone down. It says here to fail or decline, to be abandoned or neglected. I'm not so sure about that. It says if someone falls by the wayside, they are unable to keep up or succeed and are left behind or forgotten. But I much prefer your example, like you're not able to maintain something that you were doing. Um, so for example, an example where you or someone fell by the wayside. So I, um, uh, I, I studied languages, uh, when I was at university and also spent quite a lot of time living in, uh, in China and I really enjoyed learning Mandarin. I absolutely loved the sort of the difficulty of it. I think some of the things that people that put people off, like learning characters and tones and stuff like that, I, I thought they were one of the most enjoyable things just because they were so foreign compared to compared to English. Um, and as I started to get more and more into Mandarin, I found that the languages I was meant to be studying, yeah, in fact, French and Italian completely fell by the wayside because I just, I just, I was just far interested in other things. And one of the things that I kind of took from that experience was the, was how much easier it is to learn when you're actually really interested in something, when you're kind of telling yourself little stories about mm. why something is interesting. And there's still, I don't know, like bizarre, like very unusual characters or words in Mandarin that I can remember now, and this is going back 15 years, um, because they're just like so imprinted in my memory. Whereas, you know, the French, especially because, uh, you know, my uh, because my Italian is much better than my French, that has certainly fallen by the wayside because I have no day-to-day -day need for it. Um, mm. And I just focus on other things. Yeah, this is what has always stopped me from learning another language. Well, I'm worried that my Italian will fall by the wayside because if I think if I start learning Spanish or something and it, it took me so long to get to a decent level in Italian, I just think like, I don't know. And I think I certainly underestimated how difficult it is to get to a good standard in a language. 
I honestly remember when I was in Italy and I think I'd been there less than a week and I was talking to one of my friends at home who was the only one that had language learning experience who funnily enough um, was it like learned Mandarin actually and I said oh, I'm just not getting anywhere with the language and I remember he said you've only been there five days mm. like wh what did you expect and I think in my mind I was thinking well you know a month I'll be fluent um, yeah. but yeah well, I think just yeah yeah I was going to say it was just I think our British mentality of like oh everyone speaks English like it must be really easy to learn English, so I'll go there and it'll be really easy for me to learn Italian. But obviously that's not the case at all. Well, I think there's lots of people with, um, we probably make make lots of money selling dreams of getting fluent in, <laughs> yeah. you know, a week or all those kind of things. There's one, there's, uh, there's one specifically for Italians um, that someone told me about the other, other day, which is, I think it's called like, Metodo Bambino or something like that, like the kind of okay. kids kids method. I, I probably got the name wrong, um, but that, I think that was that claim to get you fluent in eight days or something like that. Ooh, which wow. cl clearly, uh, clearly, well, I've got no idea if it works or not. But it seems that if it does work, it should be the most successful thing in the world. Yeah, um, exactly. Because I, I, I would love to know the trick to become fluent in eight days. Yeah, I actually bought before I went to Italy because I was trying to get my Italian up to scratch. I bought a um, like audio thing, which you listen to it. And again, the promise there was like fluent in a month or something. So I thought, well, I'll be fluent by the time I go there then mm. if I if I listen to this CD. Um, and I remember actually thinking when I went there, yeah, I think I'll be OK here, actually, because I knew about 10 words mm. uh, and then very quickly you yeah. realize it was like a very very hard punch in the face as soon as you get there and people start talking to you and you're like what the hell and you, and you can't are you start, saying you can't start a conversation by saying look these are my 10 words i'd appreciate if you just <laughs> keep keep the conversation with these 10 words yeah what well, a very early experience so this is my first time i've like moved to italy like, i'm on my own and i was i was on the bus and i had to basically ask someone where the bus stops and I, I basically so i not even in correct italian i basically said where stops bus mm. and I, I managed to get that message across and then she said a name which i, I recognized and i i thought i've already had a conversation like i am i've only been here 10 minutes like i am absolutely smashing it like this is it um but yeah that, that was like the best conversation i had in like the first two years probably when i was there so. well now you've got an italian wife so that things yeah. um and you speak but, italian with your wife yeah although i do sometimes worry that when i talk to my wife that you know sometimes like with children that sometimes you understand what they say your children but mm. other people don't okay. i do sometimes still worry that i've just sort of developed this like language with my wife that she understands me but if i talk to someone else um i do seem to get sometimes a, a few more sort of strange looks but maybe that's just in my head i don't know um but yeah i mean when i go to italy i i i, I went there for christmas i talked to her family everything no problems um but yeah obviously i'm still there short sometimes where they're still sometimes thinking what the hell is he talking about mm. but, um I, I i managed to get by um but for for me, for to fall by the wayside, one thing I must say here, 
when for for years I thought this expression was to fall by the waist side, and yeah. I just always remember thinking, what is the waist side? To be honest, I don't even know why you you you've got a podcast about curious minds. Do you know why that where that expression comes from? Uh, I do not. I should have looked this up before. So that's your homework, everyone, to look that up. Okay. Um, so my story about this is when I went to university. So obviously before university, you go to school and you generally know everyone and you know who the intelligent people in the class are and maybe let's say some of the more challenged students. And I remember going to university and it's, it's very much like, oh, like this is everything's bigger and things. And so you meet the people like in your dormitory and stuff. And then when I had my first lecture, I, I, I studied economics for some reason. And I went into this lecture and it, it was like, I mean, it was like I was going to a concert because it, there was just, it was enormous. And I remember looking around and it was absolutely full I don't know the specific number, but for me, in my mind, it was like 10,000 people. I'm sure it wasn't that. I wasn't sure there weren't that many people. But then I remember, like, as we went through the year, not even to like the second and third year, sort of six months down the line, lots of people, I think, fell by the wayside and just gave up because mm. it was like the whole university thing. I remember myself thinking I'd... I'd I'm not sure if I'm going to stick this out because it, it was all it was all too much for me. How about you? Your your experience at university, like those first like few weeks, I mean, or few yeah. months. Um, yeah, lots of people fell fell by the wayside. Um, yeah, and it's sort of like I don't know, like some kind of movie. You're thinking, who's going to come in on Monday morning? Oh no, he's <laughs> he's out. He's gone. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've lost him. Soldier down. Yeah, but like adapting to new life, how how was that for you? To like, uh, did you move, change city? Because that's the culture in the UK, isn't it? To like go to a new place. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I went to university in London, and oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, London is clearly the biggest city in the country, and has I think ten or so universities. I mean, there are lots of different universities in um, in London, so it, it doesn't really feel like a university city in the same way as smaller cities yeah yeah do that you know that are dominated by students um yeah i mean I, i've been to london lots of times before so it didn't feel quite so unfamiliar right. but still the experience of going in and seeing you know huge lecture halls and that kind of stuff it was it was um it, it was really mind mind-boggling yeah no exactly the same for me so okay let's do the last one now which is to bite off more than you can chew what does that mean uh so i'm going to put on my chat gpt hat <laughs> to bite off more than you can chew i would imagine means working or trying to do more than you are able to or you yeah, should I be able that- to I actually, again, prefer yours. More simple words, much better than Mr. Chat, which is to take on a task or responsibility that is too difficult or demanding to attempt something that exceeds your abilities or capacity. So, yeah, basically trying to do too much in simple words. So a time that you have bitten off more than you can chew. I think every day I feel like I'm biting (laughs) off more than I can chew. Um, And I... I feel like I've got a bit better over the years in terms of planning my own 
life and and kind of working commitments and so on. But I always find it a struggle if I'm trying to plan, you know, plan what I'm doing for the week. And I always find myself biting off more than I can chew. And at the end of the week thinking, I'm not going to do that next week. And lo and behold, exactly the same thing happens. I think I've got to, you know, there are certain things I can do today. Thinking today I'm talking to Martin. I've got to do X, Y, X, Y, and Z other things. And today is exactly the same as, as every other day in that I'm not going to manage to do everything that I want to do. Although I'm very happy that, uh, that we've had this conversation. So uh, we've, yeah, I've not bitten off more than I can chew in, in that respect. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm almost exactly the same as you almost every day. And you know, I think even, as I mentioned, moving back to the UK with a child, then having a second child, that alone was biting off more than I can chew. Um, but then like working for myself as well in one of the most expensive countries, I think in the world, I'm not sure. And just to add to like everything I've got going on. I've recently actually got a new job as a lecturer at a university in London. Ah, um, congratulations. Uh, thanks. Um, and I don't know how I'm actually going to manage all of this. <laughs> By the time this podcast goes out, I, I hope to still be alive, actually. Um, because, yeah, I've, so I've got my rock and roll English stuff going on, two children, and what is essentially a full-time job. Um, but luckily, it's lots of working from home. So, um, yeah, I think I may have bitten off more than I can chew again. Um, and literally in this exact moment, I'm looking at the clock thinking I need to go and pick up my daughter right now, <laughs> because like you, I'm trying to fit in too many things to my day again, biting off more than I can chew. So we are going to have to stop the podcast here, but it's been wonderful talking to you, Alistair. And just for people that don't know, where can they find out more about you? Sure. So the best place to start, I guess, is the English Learning for Curious Minds podcast. So yeah, uh, search on your podcast app or on YouTube, English Learning for Curious Minds. And uh, yeah, you can find out more there. Okay, excellent stuff. I'll put links to all of your stuff in the show notes anyway. Okay, so thanks a lot, Alistair, and we will see you soon. Thanks so much, Martin. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was me talking to Alistair from English Learning for Curious Minds. Remember to check him out. I actually find Alistair a really funny guy. I really like him. But anyway, let's have a quick look at the main pieces of vocabulary. So we had the term up to scratch. When something is up to scratch, it meets the required standard or expectation. So Alistair spoke about his Swedish not being up to scratch. And I spoke about how I always worry my podcasts are not up to scratch, like I'm worried about this one. I'm always worried. Then we had throw caution to the wind, which is to act without considering like the potential risks or consequences. Again, Alistair spoke about him moving to Sweden and I mentioned how Mrs. R&R and, and I threw caution to the wind when we moved back to the UK. Then we had to fall by the wayside. I don't know why we say this, but remember it means when you stop doing something, basically. I use the example of people at university. Lots of people fell by the wayside. They just stopped coming to university and then didn't come anymore. And last but not least, we had to bite off more than you can chew. So think of this in a literal way. If you bite an apple and you take a really big bite and it's too much to chew, that's a problem. 
So it's basically doing too much, which, as I mentioned, is kind of what I'm doing now because I do have a new job as a lecturer at a university in London, a full time job and the rock and roll English. And I'm not sure if I've actually told people this, but I'm also doing a master's degree and I have two children. So I have definitely bit off my more than I can chew, which is why I'm recording this podcast at 11 o'clock at night on a Sunday. Anyway, thanks a lot for listening, everyone. I will talk to you very soon. But in the meantime, just keep on rocking, baby. Thanks so much for listening to Rock and Roll English. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit rockandrollenglish.com and facebook.com slash rockandrollenglish. We'll catch you next time.